Welcome to this episode of the DC Podcast. Uh, for those who are watching and listening, you should know that this is our very first take because we always get it done on the first take. Every time. Every single time. So we are back, and today we have a special guest. His name is Mike... No, I can't do that. Mike McKinley. Hmm. Mike, for the first time, <laughs> tell our listeners and viewers about yourself. Uh, well... My name is Mike McKinley. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm the pastor of Sterling Park Baptist Church in yeah. Sterling, Virginia, which is about 45 minutes outside of DC or yeah. in Northern Virginia traffic, like three and a half hours outside of DC. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing else to tell. That's the entirety of my life. That's right. That's all I am as a human being. Uh, a very learned doctor and writer of many books. Yes. Not the doctor part or really the learned part. Okay. I've written the books. But, okay. But we are not here to talk about contemporary critical theory no we're, taking a small break that's right so we're, yeah. we're taking a small break from that series we'll pick that back up lord willing next week yeah we're gonna be talking about one of the books that you've written mike am i really a christian you wrote that i did okay and you wrote it why tell us the story behind that so the uh, the idea for the book actually came from a friend who uh grew up in the bible belt went home over kind of christmas holidays to spent time with his family, went to church uh, there in the Bible Belt. And he came back and he was um, you know, having conversations with old friends and things like that. And he came back just frustrated by those conversations because he felt like sort of nominal Christianity was so prevalent. And yeah. so he just kind of offhandedly was like, he, he knows that I'm kind of a like, confrontational jerk by nature. And so right. I was like, Mike, you should just write a book called You're Not a Christian <laughs> Yeah, that, so that you can just give it to people. When you're having that conversation and, and the person's like, you know, talking about, you know, uh, all of these completely wildly inappropriate things they're doing with their life, but yeah. still claiming to be a Christian. Right. Like that way I just have a book you could just kind of like throw at them. Yeah. And I thought that's, that's funny. And then I was like, mm, actually, that's not a terrible idea. Yeah. Not a bad so. idea. So I've used that book pretty extensively. Russell never read it. Never yet. Full disclosure. I've read some of your books, loved them. Uh, haven't read this one, but it's, it's that in hurts. my stack. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I use it often. I give it to people who are either A, struggling with assurance, or B, who need to struggle with assurance, who need to uh, doubt whether or not they actually belong to Jesus. It's been incredibly useful. And so I thought, man, while Mike is here, uh, we're, for for our listeners and, and viewers to know, we're trying to finish up a book on the prosperity gospel. And so while Mike is in town helping me to do that, uh, we just figured, yeah, let's have him jump on the podcast and we'll talk about the contents of the book. And so, uh, again, for the first time, we are going to do that, jumping right in. <laughs> uh, I love the way the book begins. You begin by asking the question, is this book mean-spirited? Uh, why did you feel like it was necessary to ask that? Yeah, well, I think at the outset, there, there is a way of kind of thinking about being a Christian or, or professing faith in Christ or how you know you're a Christian that, that does make it seem like to question someone's sense of salvation or their assurance is either unkind to them yeah. or, or at least impolite uh, or even some ways like disrespectful to Jesus. Yeah. Like if I say Jesus saved me and you, yeah. you have, you're throwing doubts on that. Yeah. Like you're kind of like, who do you think you are? Yeah. And so even like interacting with people that are maybe from a, um, like a more sort of, uh, sacramentarian background where it's like, no, I was baptized as an infant. Like I'm, I'm regenerate. Done I'm deal. Again, like don't question that. Sign, sealed, delivered. Okay. <laughs> You know, or folks from a more like decisionist, like, hey, no, I prayed a prayer when I was like four years old. And so like, how, how can you question Jesus's ability to save me? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? And so, right. yeah. so, so I think just addressing that question to kind of argue for the existence of the book that actually 
trying to show from the Bible, this is a question the Bible encourages us to ask, right? Yeah. Am I really right. uh, in the faith? Am I really a Christian? Um, because Jesus seems to have a category in each of several places in the Gospels for someone who really thinks they're cool with him uh, and expects to get a big thumbs up on the last day. You know, but you think Matthew chapter seven, Matthew chapter twenty-five. There are people who are like self-deceived and are gonna gonna be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, that's right. And so, just arguing for that as a biblical category. Yeah. You know, a, a, over and against our maybe our sort of polite sensibilities. Yeah, and and Russell, in in contrast to that, so if we would say it's not mean spirited to call people to examine their salvation, then what's what's the opposite of that? What, what, how should we think about it? Is it loving? Is is it kind? Uh, I don't know. I haven't read the book. yes uh you know it can be mean-spirited if Mm. you have the wrong tone and the wrong approach with the way you ask that question yeah uh but biblically the the idea of examining oneself which is language that paul uses Mm -hmm. and uh and trying to discern whether or not you are uh you know if like you said those categories that jesus uses uh, i'm thinking of the the parable of the soils and the the man who built his house on the sand versus the man who built his house on the on the stone trying to understand uh, which one of those categories you fall into and and then looking at other people and helping them make mm-hmm. that same self-examination is really a loving act. Right. Uh, and, and if you approach that in the right way and, and as somebody who can come off kind of uh, a little bit blunt at times, kind yeah. of like you, just it's easy for me to sound like a jerk. Yeah. Uh, I have to be very careful about that. Yeah. Uh, but if you're genuinely concerned for someone's soul yeah. uh, and you approach it in the right way, it is an, it is an incredibly loving thing to do for someone yeah. and a hard thing to do, particularly in our culture. Yeah, that's right. But their eternity is at stake. And so even if you don't nail the delivery, even if you aren't as gentle and as kind as you could possibly be, it's probably still worth it, assuming you have yeah. a, a working relationship. Not always, but uh, usually. Yeah. And the, you know, the other thing I'd add is, is, you know, having those conversations with people after you've sort of examined your own heart and your own life, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's not just some, uh, something for other people, but something for, like I was very conscious as I was writing the book that I don't want to be the guy who wrote the book on like, am I really a Christian? And then turns out not to be a Christian. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think it's good to like, you know, the, the three of us and for the dozens of people listening, right? Like yeah. We all need to like, we all need to ask this question of ourselves from time to time and, and not allow ourselves to be yeah. deceived. Mm, that's good. The next question you ask is, you're not a Christian if you haven't been born again. Okay, so even that phrase born again means different thing to different things to different people. Why is this an important question to ask? Yeah, well, you know, it's, I think it's important because Jesus made it really important in John chapter three. And so a lot of, I think, our questions about about conversion and assurance and whether someone really is a Christian, a lot of our, a lot of the confusion there really just is rooted in not understanding what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there, there's a, a lot of different ways you could approach that question. Like you could say that a Christian is someone who's been adopted into God's family. You could say, you know, a Christian is someone who's been uh, justified and, mm-hmm. you know, forgiven of their sins and made righteous in God's sight. All true biblical. Yeah, true. Yeah. So the, the, yeah. the, I, th- I thought so the most useful tack to take would be to think about it like through the lens of John chapter three, that a Christian is someone who's received the new birth as a free gift, yeah. right? Because in, in many ways, so much of what the Bible teaches us to expect from a Christian is nothing more than like evidence of the new birth, right? right? And I think that just kind of reminding ourselves that for Jesus, like entering into the kingdom of heaven is a, a massive 
and total shift of your spiritual identity. Yeah, that's right. But it's far beyond just praying a prayer, far beyond, you know, something that you experienced as an infant. But Jesus seems to think that it's it's you know, the only thing that can really capture it is an entirely new life. Yeah. Uh, and so I think if you get that clear at the outset, then you kind of see how insufficient it is to be like, well, of course I'm a Christian because I like I prayed to this prayer or my yeah. family's a Christian. Yeah. Like, Jesus seems to think it's a radical life change. Yeah. And so everything else that flows from the book in terms of saying, okay, what kind of things should we be looking for in our yeah. lives? Really, we're just trying to trace back to like, what is what is regeneration? What does yeah. new life look like when it's yeah. actually being lived out by a human being? You, you see this uh, confusion about people being born again uh, in a really interesting way when you look at some of these old George Barna polls where he asked the question of all these people, you know, well, do you consider yourself a born-again Christian? Yes. Okay, well, then what do you think about things like divorce and sex outside of marriage and 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 just a, a whole bunch of other things that are very obviously non-Christian, right? If you're a Christian, you wouldn't support these things or you would be opposed to these sorts of things. And then, you know, the the article comes out, New Barna poll says that born-again Christians, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they just don't really know what born again means. They just right. think born again means that they walked down an aisle, they got baptized in a fire truck, you know, yeah. they, they, they put their name on their, their preacher said, now you write this date down in the front of your Bible. This is the day that you got saved and you don't ever let anybody else tell you any different, right? So because they have this misunderstanding of what it means to be born again, everything else kind of goes haywire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, in John chapter three, Jesus uses this really helpful sort of picture of the, of the, the spirit being like the wind, Right. Okay. And you don't you don't really see where it's coming from, you don't know what it's going, but you see its effects. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so like if a huge wind, you know, blew through here, first it'd be weird because there's no windows, but um <laughs> right, we wouldn't be able to see the wind, but we'd be able to see what the wind does. Like yeah. Knock papers off the table and that kind of thing. Yeah, right? that's right. And so in that sense, when we're asking the question, Am I really Christian? we're saying, Am I really born again? Yeah. You can't see like born again stamped on someone's head. You don't right. have the, the x-ray vision yeah. spirit, yeah. the sensing goggles. Yeah. But yeah. like the wind, you can see the effects. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So what you're looking for in someone's life is, did someone come and mess the papers up in here? Or, or are the papers right where they've always been? Yeah, you know? that's really good, man. But you want to take care in the way you discern those things, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And you should probably buy a book that would help I, you. I can think of one. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Mark Dever, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. <laughs> that's not going to get my kids through college. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, let's plug the book right now. Yeah. Uh, buy Mike's book. Yeah. And buy a new copy of it. Yeah. Not, not a one use. of those used Amazon copies. He That's, gets no money. He can't feed his family with that. So yeah. buy a copy and go read it. Yes. I buy copies all the time and they're always new. <laughs> and I always give away new copies. Uh, next question. Next chapter title in the book. Uh, you're not a Christian just because you like Jesus. Go. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think, again, this maybe sort of touches on the the cultural Christianity aspect. I think people will, okay, am I a Christian? Well, I'm not a Buddhist, and right. I'm not a Jew, not a Muslim, so kind of by default. I'm not, like, openly antagonistic to religion, Yeah, and I like to have a little, like, something I can identify with. So, yeah. you know, Jesus is fine. I like Jesus. I yeah. kind of respect. And so just, of course, I'm a Christian, sure. right? That's sort of the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly common, you know, where people yeah. will be like, you know, of course I'm a Christian. I have a, a, a good friend that, um, you know, he, he would say he's a Christian, but he actually doesn't believe in God. But right. Like, no, I mean, if I had to choose my religion, like... Like if, if for a census, if I had to... Yeah. 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 So just kind of trying to push the the idea of like genuine Christianity is, is 
hopefully obviously more than just yeah. sort of like vaguely pro Jesus mm-hmm. amongst yeah. all the others. In idolatry, we tend to create God after our own image and we do the same thing with Jesus. And so if we create a Jesus that looks just like us, we're going to like that guy. And if somebody asks us, we'll say, yeah, I follow him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next chapter, you are not a Christian if you enjoy sin. Mm. Yeah. I, I, can you qualify that? Because even at my absolute holiest, which is uh, rare that I kind of hit that peak. Um, I do enjoy sin. I've seen what you do with Ben and Jerry's. I know <laughs> it's you not okay. It. It's not okay. <laughs> um, I'd prefer not to qualify it. I, I find that uh, <laughs> un- 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 <laughs> Sorry, statements Sean. sell books. Just, I said uh, what I said. Just sit there and sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously it's meant to be a bit punchy, though I think there's a biblical case for even just saying it that way. Yeah. You know, that, so obviously uh, as, as Christians, we... Uh, still struggle against the flesh. We, yeah. Obviously, if anyone says that they don't sin, they're a liar and the truth's not in them. Mm-hmm. Did you um, just think of that? I just came up with that. <laughs> That's good, dude. Um, should somebody write should write that. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it, it seems clear that there's uh, part of the, the new birth is a new relationship to sin yeah. um, and a new attitude towards it. And so that this side of glory, we will be fighting against the flesh, but that a, uh, someone who's genuinely been born again cannot sort of settle down permanently and happily into sin's camp. Yeah, that's and right. And so where exactly the lines are and how you can tell, like the Bible doesn't give us quite that clear. Like right. uh, if you look at porn one more time, you're done. Right, that's uh, right. But there is a clear you know, principle there that you have to apply to your life. Yeah, mm. it takes wisdom. You need to have good elders, Yeah, healthy yeah. church members. Yeah. Everybody's thinking together about how we're going to find that line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and what you see is that when, so in my own life, when I... Uh, sort of walk down the path of sin, uh, the Lord in his kindness disciplines me. Yeah, that's right. right. That's, that's an evidence, right, according yeah. to Hebrews 12, that I am mm-hmm. a son. That's right. That he, he's not going to let me sort of go down there and like live in sinville. Yeah. But well, it brings us back. And the change you're talking about, this change of our affections uh, toward holiness and, and away from sin, yeah. is some of the evidence of the Spirit. The working, paper's moving. Working in someone's heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the evidence of the wind blowing. It's not something we're mustering up in ourselves it's a work of god that we are to carry out yeah yeah i remember it happened really prominently in my salvation i mean i literally overnight i went from all i care about is you know drugs women violence power that sort of thing to the next day the only thing that i cared about was jesus and loving people and serving people and uh and just a complete change of affections, yeah. right? And and I still sin, but man, I remember the first time that I went back and I fell in sexual sin after I had become a Christian. In the moment, I enjoyed it, okay? The second it was done, I was crushed. Yeah, you're you miserable. Know? I could not have been lower. I, I think I cried like the entire way home, you know? And that's the difference. A person who's truly been regenerate, who's truly been born again is, yes, they can fall into sin, and maybe even in the moment they may enjoy that sin, but the spirit will not allow them to have any enjoyment as they persist in that sin. Yeah. Well, it, it, and to make sure we're not uh, undermining the assurance of someone who didn't have the same conversion experience you did. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I know that my sanctification, the way 
that the Lord has worked in my heart has been painfully slow. Oh yeah. I don't have like a moment. Oh, as somebody who's observed it? Oh yeah. Let me go. tell you, Thanks. it's been horrendous. <laughs> well, just hurry it up, Lord. I don't know when I became a Christian, but it was somewhere within like a two year period. Yeah. It was just, it was like glacial. And eventually, you know, I look back 10 years and I can see the change yeah. very clearly, but yeah. there's no moment to moment obvious changes for me. So yeah. it's not, it, the Lord doesn't work the same way in every person. Yeah, that's right. But how about let's just say this. If you can consistently endure in, in patterns of sin and feel no remorse, no desire to repent, uh, then you might not be a Christian. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's First John uses the language of making a practice of sin, that's which right. is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Next chapter, you are not a Christian just because you seem like one right now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we all know the guy or gal who they're in church... They give, they serve, they write uh, Charles Spurgeon quotes on their Facebook wall, and then somewhere along the lines... Maybe they become a contemporary Christian artist. <laughs> <laughs> they start, they get a really big platform because yeah. they're so talented. Uh, and, you know, if you've been... Mike, how long have you been walking with the Lord? Uh, let's call it 35 years. Okay, that's a... Man, you're old. Uh, but you've been walking with the Lord for quite some time, and then you start to just see people that you thought like, oh, man, I, I really thought that we were Christians together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you see them uh, fall away. That's basically what this chapter is about. Yeah. Yeah. Just so our, our church statement of faith talks about the distinguishing mark of a true professor mm. is perseverance in the faith. Oh, uh, I thought it was when you had like tweed. That a, helps. A distinguishing mark of a... Oh gosh. True professor. Wow. Carry on. All right. Please. We're not editing that either. Please I swear. If you that edit out. that, if you edit that. Uh, um, Distinguishing wait. marks of a true professor. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is they persevere in the faith. So it's it is it is absolutely essential that someone who claims to be a Christian professes to be a Christian right now. Um, yeah. That's but right. one of the questions the Bible teaches us to ask is like, will I still be a Christian? Like, will I still be professing faith? If if I used to be a Christian yeah. and I'm not anymore. The Bible would indicate that you, that's actually evidence that you weren't yeah. a Christian. So much of the book of Hebrews is sort of aimed at warning Christians yeah. about that. Yeah. Next, you are not a Christian if you don't love other people. Yeah. Love is good. Yeah. Love is, love is love. Love is love. God is love. Should we just move on? Next question. Next question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just one of the, right, so again, back to First John, right? If you say that you love God, but don't love your brother, mm -hmm. right? You're, the truth's not in you, you're a liar. Um, and, and even, you know, if you think about in, in Matthew, where uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about uh, our love for our enemies, yeah. right? And he says, like, how do, what, does it, what does it mean to be a son of your heavenly father? Well, yeah. what, is, what characterizes him? He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So yeah. what does it look like for us to be his children? Yeah. Well, it means we love our enemies. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you meet, you meet people who claim to be Christians but have very little love for, you know, for other Christians, uh, for their enemies, for the needy. Um, and so, yeah, you should at least ask the question, like, am I marked by any kind of love that seems in any way to be more than what I could generate on my own and my yeah, own power? Yeah, that's like, right. Is there any, any evidence of supernatural love, which I think is particularly love for other Christians, right? Because Begins there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, here's people that... Uh, you know, as I think about the people in my church, I love them very much. It, it's not necessarily the people that I would naturally be like attracted to and in relationship with. Yeah. But because I see Jesus in them and they see Jesus in me, we have this sort of spirit wrought love for yeah. each other. Yeah. Right. And when my enemy 
you know, sins against me. There's nothing in me naturally that would want to show that person love. But yeah. then I remember that God loved me when I was his enemy. Yeah. And the spirit has begun, you know, produces that fruit in my life. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the question is, is there any love in your life that can't be explained mm. uh, apart from a work of the spirit? And so we see well, that, oh, go ahead. Well, Russell, I was going to ask you to do what you kind of do best. So we're using this word love a lot. We have mm. to love people. Uh, but that's kind of a word, kind of like justice these days. It means some things to some people. Uh, is is Mike saying that basically we just have to be nice to people all the time or that like we should always have warm, fuzzy feelings towards people and that's how we know that we're Christians? Is that what love is? If that is true, I am failing miserably. <laughs> you are not saved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, to define love is, 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 is foundational to asking any of these questions. Yeah. Well, just what do you mean by that? And obviously yeah. the, the Bible's definition of love is dramatically different than the world's definition of yeah. love. Uh, and many Christians, I think, stumble through uh, what's what's really the world's understanding of love, sort of leaking in and contaminating our understanding of, yeah. of what love is. And this entire conversation is a good example of that, because there are many people listening to this who may kind of get rubbed the wrong way by the idea of asking someone, "Hey, hey, brother, are you really a Christian? Let's let's yeah. work through that." Yeah, because it seems unloving. Right. When the Bible makes it clear that that is a profoundly loving act. Yeah, that's right. Uh, church discipline is the same way. Yeah. Um, the way that we love by recognizing authority, mm. and those are both authorities in the church and the authority of God Himself over the church and His moral law. Yeah. And the way the world just finds that abhorrent mm-hmm. to say what you can and can't do sexually or can and can't do morally. Yeah. Um, we're we're really going to have to define that word carefully before we talk about love with others. And I, th- I thought it was interesting, though, you mentioned uh, the church being the first place where we see that. Yeah. You know, we have a, a familiarity. Fam- did I say Oof. that word right? Uh, no. Just go with it. Man. Yeah, just say it family. with confidence. The church yeah. is a family. church is a family. Uh, in many ways, closer than real biological family members who are not Christians. Uh, and so I, th- I think we see that love expressed first and foremost in those relationships yeah. uh, and then bleeding out from there in, in proximity. Um, yeah. We often see love and loving neighbors and loving others is sort of twisted to just be these outward acts of sort of social kindness. Right. Like, do you work at a soup kitchen? Are you giving yeah. your money to the homeless shelter? And, and those can be expressions of that love. But, but what we're talking about is a love that just doesn't even make sense to the world generally. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. It's, it's a love that encourages and confronts. That's right. And comforts and exhorts and is committed, right? Yeah. Our pocket-sized definition of covenant in our church is a relationship grounded in a promise, right? So it's like a commitment mm-hmm. to love you even when uh, I don't feel like it, even when you don't deserve my love, right? Well, it, and that's it, something that the, only the Spirit can do in us. That's right. And yeah. so I, I would say to give you another pocket-sized definition, okay. uh, the definition of love we could use would be putting someone else's uh, needs above your own, yeah. putting someone before yourself, yeah. to put it another way. And if you're a Christian, you know that often means helping people through their own blindness, yeah. helping people when they don't see what they need yeah. or when they're misled, yeah. but you through God's help can see what they need yeah. and have to confront that. And that's not something the world is comfortable with. No, that's right. It's something that honestly, a lot of times we're not comfortable with and it's yeah. only by God's help that we do it. Uh, on a completely unrelated note, Russell, I need to speak to you about something very serious after this podcast. Thanks for that. <laughs> Next... <laughs> You are not a Christian if you love your stuff. Mike, I love my stuff. What are you saying? 
I mean, I love, I'm thankful. I loved, like last night we had steak for dinner. Yeah, it was good. I treated you to a dinner. And in my prayer, I said, Lord, thank you for steak. It's evidence that you love us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sean, can, am you, I like, can you think of an example that's not food related? Man, I'm struggling. <laughs> I love my truck. Okay, yeah, you love your truck. I love my and truck. And so Mike says, because you love your truck, you're not a Christian. Mike, defend yourself. I mean, I feel like the title of the chapter defends itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously uh, the Bible's, um, sort of the quick version of the Bible's take on possessions and money is that uh, they're often a good thing, often a gift from God meant to be received with gratitude. Oftentimes the, um, the byproduct of wisdom yeah. Is, is prosperity and mm-hmm. blessing. Yeah. Uh, and so we shouldn't downplay that. But the Bible also tells us that because money is uh, good, yeah. it's a dangerous potential God substitute. Yeah. It's a snare. And so, so if we do... A snail? A snare. Oh, okay. Sorry, I get my L's and R's mixed up. <laughs> Household I grew up in. And so uh, uh, if, if you love your money and it has a kind of consuming control of your mm, life yeah. right uh that that's not just money yeah but but sure yeah money possessions all that stuff yeah time talent treasure comfort yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's yeah so if you love that stuff more than you love jesus mm-hmm. then yeah. you're probably not a christian how can you yeah, well, what, you're definitely not a christian yeah. what's the litmus test yeah how do it, you walk walk that line yeah give us an example well so on the spot and it better be good yeah i know right um <laughs> I mean, here's one question is like, whatever you can't live without, like that's, that's functionally your God. Right. And that's, that's what Job learned. Who's this over here? Tim Keller. Uh, <laughs> what was this? That's the uh, monocle. Chris Farley. Uh, you know, who's you that with... over there? That old Bill Shakespeare. Uh, okay. All right. All this is saying in, by the way. So, uh, you know, so if you think about, okay, this, uh, you know, my, my job, if I lost my job, I wouldn't be okay. Yeah. Right? And I, you know, you sit down with people sometimes and they're facing these, these life crises Yeah. and, and you, they're, they're genuinely wrestling with like, am I going to follow God through this? Right. Or is this like, I, I will only follow God if it involves me, you know, having this job, having yeah. these possessions, having this house, right. Having, having my health, having this relationship, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. It, I, I'll only follow God if I if I can maintain a certain number of things that are more important to me yeah. in, the, in the long run. And so, what Jesus then becomes a way for you to get this stuff that yeah. you want. Mm. And so, I think Jesus is pretty clear, like over and over again, like He does not want you to follow Him on your terms. Right. Like he it, won't allow you yeah. to follow Him on yeah. your terms. Yeah. yeah. So if you come to Him being like, "All right, Jesus, I'll make you a deal," that he, end of the conversation. Like yeah. you do things His way or you don't do them. So it's basically uh, a guy um, that. I've been reading the Bible with for a long time, coming from a really, really difficult background, never been to church in his life. Yeah. Uh, he called me a couple weeks ago and he said, uh, he said, Mike, last night, he's like, I just found myself. He's like, I just found myself praying. All right, Jesus, this is your show. Tell me what to do. Right. And mm. I was like, I was like, I, I think you just became a Christian. Yeah, you know? dude. yeah. Like that's, that's actually, that's yeah. the sinner's prayer. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. uh, this is your show. Tell me what to do. Yeah, that's right. And really there's no way to come to Jesus. That's like, all right, Jesus, like this is the stuff you can't touch. Here's my contract. Yeah. 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 So so loving your things, mm-hmm. to use the word love in a not ultimate sense, just enjoying, appreciating, yeah. Yeah. valuing the good gifts God has given you. Uh, as long as you hold those things loosely yeah. and you are ready and willing for the Lord to take them away and to continue to follow him just as faithfully. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, it's but actually a good thing. I, I, would, yeah. I would think so. Yeah. But to cling to those things or to feel... Wow, if God took that away, yeah. I just don't know 
I don't know what I would do. I yeah. don't know how I would view him anymore. Yeah. Those are concerning attitudes. Yeah. 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 And it's most often you see when, when, when someone's, and I, I, I'm not trying to say this in any kind of way, interpret me as charitably as you can, but like people's nominalism begins to show exactly when Jesus touches them, like right where they, like, I don't want to let that thing go. For some people it's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I've always wanted this career, mm-hmm. you know, and Jesus says, well, you can't have that career. And it's like, well, fine, Jesus, you know, flip over the table. I'm out of here. You know, yeah. um, I, I recently had a conversation with a good brother, loves the Lord. He's been walking with the faith, with the Lord faithfully. We actually were talking about your book. I gave it to him, asked him to read it. And one of the things that we, I said, as we were kind of just wrapping up was like, yeah, has, has Jesus asked you to sacrifice anything significant in your life that was hard for you to sacrifice? And that was just kind of like a litmus test. Like, you can be pretty sure that you are that you really belong to Jesus is if at some point he goes, hey, you, you can't have that anymore. I know this is going to basically kill you, but I'm also going to resurrect you and it's going to be way better. Yep. Yeah. All right. Two more chapters. Here we go. Can I really ever know if I am a Christian? Uh, I think I think we can have a genuine confidence that that we are in Christ, right? So uh, certainty is uh, would just require us to know the mind of God in a way that we we can't. That's so right. That's I don't know. That's a particularly important distinction, like in terms of like general Christian life. But we, I think the First John's written right so that we might know mm. that we have life, right? Yeah. And so the goal of First John, which is the kind of big book of you're not a Christian. Yeah. It's actually so that you can look at these things, right? Even when Paul says to the to the church, even when he says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith, yeah. like in, in context, his expectation is that they're going to come back and say, yes, I am. Right, right, right. right. That's what right. he's expecting. And so, yeah. and so, you know, by asking these questions, my hope is that like 90% of the people reading the book come away being like, by God's grace, I am a Christian. Yeah. And the other 10% are like, I'm not, I want to be one, right? And so... Yeah. Both good things. Yeah, both are both are good results. And so... Uh, yeah, so that chapter is just about how it is it that we can live with assurance because I don't think Jesus wants us to live with a sort of constant dread and fear that right. we might not really be Christians. Right. He wants us to live, I think, in the joy and confidence uh, of our adoption. Yeah. Pastorally, you probably experience this a bunch where people come in and they just say, I just, I just wrestle with doubt so much. I'm, especially when they become reformed. I, I don't know if I'm of the elect, you know, and uh, you just say, hey, listen, God doesn't want you to live in this perpetual state of fear and anxiety and doubt. And then you just tell them, hey, the fact that you care is is probably yeah. good evidence that you yeah. do belong to it's him. It's never the right people who come to you like that. Right. <laughs> You're like, no, not you. I want that guy to come at you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you doubt. Yeah. You be more confident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, good. Practically, yeah. uh, church membership is a huge part of that. Huge. So conf- as uh, Peter says in Second Peter, we need to confirm our calling. Uh, that's not a thing you do alone in your bedroom. That's, that's right. something you do interacting with other Christians uh, living life together and, and helping one another along to heaven, yeah. uh, helping one another to see evidence of the Spirit changing one another, because we're often blind to the way God's changing us. Yeah, that's and right. need people outside of us to say, hey, you didn't used to talk like that. Yeah. You didn't used to act like that. Yeah. And all of that is enormously helpful. Oh, yeah. And it's important that, like, Ray Orland talks a lot about this, not only having uh, a doctrine, uh, a gospel doctrine in your church, but a gospel culture. And part of that is, like, constant encouragement in the gospel, gossiping the gospel. So like I try to lead from the front with this in our church and I think it it has permeated into the DNA of our church. But like we are always looking for opportunities 
to like tell somebody something that will encourage them that they are doing better following Jesus today than they were six yeah. months ago. Yeah. You know, we just want that to be normal in, in the, in the air we breathe in the church. Yeah. 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 So D- David Pallison had a, an illustration that was always really helpful to me in thinking about assurance, right? Because one of the, one of the ways we look for assurance is growth and holiness. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. I would expect that, you know, if I've been following the Lord for 35 years, that there's been some incremental growth and sanctification over that time. Yeah. But part of the problem is a lot of times we're self-deceived, we're blind to it. It's hard yeah. for me to see. I'm naturally, you know, prone to being too easy on myself. My wife's prone to being too hard on herself. Right. right? So how do you get the balance right? Yeah. You know, Pallison's illustration was like, our sanctification is like um, a man with a yo-yo, right? Like up and down, up and down, up yeah. and down, which, yeah. is, which is what I feel. But then he, he kind of qualifies it and he says, it's a man with a yo-yo walking up a flight of steps. Right. Right. So the yo-yo only experiences the up and down, but over the course of time, it's actually at a much higher place than yeah. it was before. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you can't see if you're the yeah. yo-yo particularly, you can't see that, that change, yeah. but other people can. And so yeah. they can come alongside you perhaps when you're uh, struggling with a lack of assurance. And, and so pastorally, you know, deal with lots of folks who struggle with assurance and be able to say to them, look, I've known you for 15 years. I've, I, I saw you do this, this, and this. Like, there's no earthly reason you would have yeah. extended yourself in sacrificial love yeah. in this situation if the Spirit of God weren't at work in you, right? Yeah. So let me encourage you. Yeah. And so we need that. And then we also need to people who come along and confront us and say, "Hey, if you if you continue to walk in this yeah. pattern of sin in an unrepentant way, yeah, like it, it actually makes me worry about your salvation, right? And and so I need my brothers and sisters around me to encourage me and to correct me as as needed because I'm not yeah. always going to be able to do that on my own. Yeah, Amen. man. And yeah, that actually covered the last chapter, a little help from our friends. That's it. The, the church is, if you are looking for assurance of salvation, uh, do not look at your own experiences. Do not try to look inside your own heart and like your little personal private therapy <laughs> session. You won't like what you see. You won't like what you see. Uh, trying to get a mirror down there. Uh, uh, you know, be a part of a church where people who love you and who are committed to you will uh, tell you the truth about yourself. And if you're a Christian, more often than not, that truth is going to be really encouraging. Yeah. All right, Mike. Uh, hey, man, I think that maybe 10,000 people are probably going to go buy your book after uh, they watch this episode. So link to that book you'll find in the episode description. Yep. Click and and uh, I, I expect that Russell and I will receive a small, small cut of that. Yeah. Yep. At least give me a copy of the book. That's right. And also, we still do not know really how to sign off from these episodes, so we just kind of awkwardly just take our, just take our headsets off and then end it. You can't take your headset off, but you can pretend. And we're out.